Blog Talk Radio. Hello, you've tuned into the Dean of Cannabis Law Radio with your attorney Bruce M. Margolin, attorney at law. Since 1967, Bruce Margolin has represented his clients in all types of criminal matters. He has also successfully defended more marijuana cases than any other attorney in the country. Bruce is now pleased to also be able to help his clients obtain cannabis business licenses and stay out of trouble. Mr. Margolin has served as chairman for the Ethics Committee for the NACDL, National Association for Criminal Defense Lawyers, He was awarded the Certificate of Appreciation from the ACLU, American Civil Liberties Union, as well as received honors for his work on behalf of the Constitution Rights Foundation. Since 1973, he has been director of the Los Angeles National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws, Normal, and an advisor for the Proposition 215, Californians' Compassionate Use and served as a legal counsel for Jack Hare's California Hemp Initiative. As a candidate for governor for California in 2003 and the U.S. Congress in 2012, he has helped establish the credibility of marijuana legalization policies. And without further ado, I bring you Attorney Bruce Margolin. Well, that's very kind. Hello, folks. Good evening. Thank you very much for that kind introduction, which I appreciate, of course. For the back of my guide, I know one of laws, so it's quite good to tell people what my story is. And can you be okay? Which way? Yeah, uh, towards the fuzzy part. This one, so maybe I messed that up already. Again, thank you again. I appreciate your introduction. Well, tonight we're going to talk about kind of a new thing in a way. It's a new thing, but an old thing. It's hemp. H-E-M-P. I'm sure you've heard about it. I'm sure you've lived your life talking about it. I'm sure you've bought hemp products in your life. And, of course, we have our, our wonderful memory of Jack Herrera, who talked about nothing but hemp in his whole career. And um, he kept telling people about the reality of the, all the benefits that hemp can bring to us in this world and has brought to us in this world over the eons of echoes of time. And so, guess what, folks? A little-known area of this Prop 64 is licensing for hemp. Matter of fact, um, I've had a lot of a lot of people calling me just this last week about getting into the hemp business. And these are big people. I'm telling you, 600 acres up in places like Paso Robles, and and these people are connected to the large um, pharmaceutical companies as well, because they're on game to know that this is a this is happening. All right, and when that happens, it's said that it may even exceed. Marijuana business in California, all right, because it's such a wonderful product and has so many attributes to it, and everything from, as we know, rope, and blah, 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 goes on and on and on, right? And also CBD, okay, which is so particularly important to so many people who have all kinds of conditions. CBD is a derivative of the same thing as a, as a THC. It's, a, it's, it is the marijuana plant, you know, and, uh, the marijuana plant has different levels of TH in it, THC in it, and uh, there are certain ones that are identified as hemp having very, very little THC in it, and that is 0.03% as opposed to what how much THC the typical weed has. They were from 10 to 20% at least of THC in, in, uh, in weed that people like to endure and take and smoke and choke and, and put in, uh, in edibles. So... Uh, Beyond that, uh, so I'm doing some research as we speak. Let's get real, okay? Matter of fact, th- but this week has been an extraordinary week when it comes to hemp. For example, here's an article I read. It came out just two days ago that people send me articles all the time because they you know I'm on game for this whole area of practice. I'd like to keep me up to it. No, CBD is not legal in all 50 states. This is an article saying that it's not true. Matter of fact, in this article, it says the federal government, an Indiana man, Indiana man was overwhelmed with a motion this week when the, the country court dismissed his case. Now, this person was facing a time in jail, a $1,000 fine for marijuana possession. But this person possessed only CBD oil, a substance that was legalized by the state legislature last month. Thanks to the new CBD law, 
The prosecution and the judge both decided to dismiss the case. No, that was in Indiana, okay? Now, California has CBD law too, and we have we have hemp law under Prop 64. And just last week, I got an email back from Kat Packer. She is the uh, director of the Cannabis Regulations um, Bureau here in Los Angeles, oversees the whole kit and caboodle regarding the, uh, the licensing of different products and, of course, different areas in which you can get licensed. And they go on and on. I'll explain that to you in a minute. And she wrote me a letter of actually responded to to an inquiry I had. And I know her closely because she's also a former member of Normal, which I shut my pin on tonight just to tell you about Normal and more about it. The National Organization of Reform Marijuana Laws, which as indicated by my host, I've been down for that organization since 1973 as the director of Los Angeles Normal. And Kat Packer, who's also a member of Normal, she's a very young woman. She's probably no more than 28 years old at most. But she was selected in this very important post in Los Angeles. She actually comes from Ohio and has been a member of Cal, uh, Ohio Normal for several years, maybe three or four or five years. Nevertheless, so I get along with her very well. And I do a lot of events with her because when they put on these events, explain the laws to people, I try to get her invited all the time because she's from the horse's mouth. At least she's the one that should know more about any of it than anybody else because that's her job. Well, last week, just for example, I was in a, in a, uh, a seminar with her at Skirball Museum. Skirball, what do you call it? The auditorium's up there. It's beautiful. And uh, I asked her, for example, one thing. When are they going to come out with these um, applications for cultivation in the city of Los Angeles? Because the application process has only come out for this so far to what they call pre-ICOs. Those are people who had uh, dispensaries before 19, uh, before 2007. If you were a dispensary business before 2007, and you had your BTRC, which is a, which is the Bureau of um, uh, it's taxing. Okay, it's tax. It's, uh, it's BTRC. Uh, I forget what I was. I remember the the acronym, but I remember the, I can't remember it. Business Tax Return Certificate. That's it. All right, so if you had that for 2007 and you haven't moved places without permission, et cetera, et cetera, you'll be qualified for the early applications of dispensaries first in line. So we've had that. Finally, that came out just some time ago, okay, not that long ago. And as you know, it took since 2016, 2017 for it to happen, if I recall, almost a year by the time they got it together, created different, different rules and regulations. And now we're waiting for stage two, which is cultivation licenses in Los Angeles. And so um, last week, as I was referencing, I was with Kat Packer. And I said, well, so what's going on? We're waiting for the cultivation licenses. When are they going to come out? You know, the applications. She says, yes and no. Now, the reason I brought this up is because guess what? We're in the same position when it comes to the state issuing licensing for hemp. Now, hemp comes to, going to be under the Food and Drug Administration, okay, for the state of California. And, but they've yet to even come up with anything about the potential of what date they might actually offer applications so we can participate in that business. However, I, as I mentioned earlier, I've been getting calls from people that are pretty into the game. They have the finances wherewithal, and they have properties, et cetera, et cetera. And um, they understand that they need to get advanced uh, on the, on the, in other words, they got to get ahead of the game, okay? And so I just want to talk to you folks when you get a chance uh, later, if you want me to, about how important that is. And if you want to get into the marijuana cannabis business licensing aspect of this world, then you should um, definitely get on game and get organized with getting a what's called a business entity, which is um, a, a corporation and a group of people you're going to be participating with, an agreement between them. And then from there, we can help you move on to the rest of the process of getting a license, okay? And, of course, when I say we, I mean me and my office and my associates who I deal with a group of lawyers several different places in California because these applications for licensing are very important to be done well, and you need a group of lawyers often to get involved with it, okay? So, nevertheless, before we stand at the moment, why don't you ask me a question so I don't have to be here and I was talking head the whole night and I can respond to you at least. Okay? Certainly, certainly. Here, let's, Go ahead, let's uh, see what you have to say. Let's zoom out a little on the 
on the picture here. Let's put your beautiful. Oh, no, don't turn that thing. Okay. Yeah, yeah, here we go. Wow. And there's that chair. up, and where are you? I see your shadow. Right, right. I got to move back up this chair. Okay, good. There you are. Oh, you look very efficient with that headphone on there. I'll tell you that. Well, it helps me make sure that we have audio quality. And yeah. I'll try to make sure I speak up because I do have a tendency to be um, not as forceful in my voice as I should be many other times. So I'll remember so, that. Thank you. Yeah, though I can understand uh, all day working out there, arguing with judges and other attorneys, proving your case uh, many times during the day, and now going through all this different paperwork trying to figure out the permitting situations mm-hmm. as something I recall from our previous discussions we were talking about uh, how can someone open up a shop and let people smoke at it like you know like a bar you can buy alcohol there and you can drink it there you're going to quickly return to that storyline that one about on-site consumption license yeah treatment? on-site consumption okay, well, okay now he's talking about the situation folks that I'm very very concerned about as a matter of fact I spoke before the city council earlier this year, expressing the concern I had for the consumer because as a lawyer, I'm a defense lawyer, okay? As an advocate, I'm a human being in California and all over the country trying to promote the rights of individuals to to make the choice of using this herb or not. But as a director of normal, I also participate in, in the political arena particularly and one area which I was concerned about is for people is that there's no place to talk and joke and smoke. Under the law, you can't smoke in public, you can't smoke in your car, you can't smoke in your apartment or your condo unless the landlords or other condo members have agreed to it. And basically, you're out of luck unless you have a, whole, a residence to smoke in, and that's very limited to how many people either own one or have access to one to better smoke in a safe environment that's legalized. Otherwise, you face miscellaneous fines. And by the way, I don't want to. If I have a, a guy in marijuana laws that I talk about all the time because it's so convenient for people to know what the laws are by going online at 420laws.com and read these miscellaneous laws in California. And I pretty much laid them out, almost all the ones we're talking about tonight, in ways I hope it's understandable. Try to simplify them. So people get a sense of it. So going back to my conversation at the moment about working to smoke. Well, you'll see in my guide on the possession, there's a bunch of places that limit where you can how you can have marijuana, how you travel with it, and where you can smoke and where you can't. You can't smoke in any public place for openers. And what's the result of that? You end up with a hundred dollar fine plus penalty assessment, which doesn't sound like much with the penalty assessment comes about five hundred bucks. Now, can you read some of these things about where you can smoke and not so people can understand Certainly. what I'm talking about? Here, let me show it up. Let me hold up. Let me hold up. See this? Here's the possession page. It shows the different areas in which things that are, things shows where there's an exception to the possession of marijuana, where you can and can't use it or possess it. And so I outline that for people to be well aware of it. So I'm going to ask our host, to read some of those areas of that referencing here. Do you have enough light? Do you want me to get you a little lighter? You got enough light? Oh, this is awesome. Okay, good. Good. Let's rock. All right, here it Here. All right, we're on the mic swap here. Here, here. Uh, this is dealing with possession. Smoke or ingest marijuana or marijuana products in any public place. So this is a place, so this, is, this is exceptions. Nothing in this law shall be construed to permit persons to the following. And this is starting with number one. Listen to this. Smoke. This is like what you cannot do. Smoke or ingest marijuana or marijuana products in any public place except in accordance with Section 26200 of Business and Professions Code. Now, that, that, that code provides for licensing for on-site consumption, all right? It's in the California Prop 64, Prop 64 um, law. However, in order to get a license from the state of California, you must get a license first from your local community, either your city or county. And this is another area of practice that's very frustrating and which I want to talk to you about. I'll back up there at the moment. This means that every city and county has the autonomy to decide what licensing they'll allow, and they can ban all licensing, okay? 
They can ban cultivation. They can ban sales. They can ban dispensaries under what's called the land use rights of the individual counties and cities. What they can't ban is the law that provides that adults over 21 can legally grow six live plants in their home. They can keep whatever they grow for their use, whatever herb they come out with, bud, and they can have an OZ at all times, an ounce, and eight, eight grams of hash. Well, nevertheless, other than that, the cities and counties can subject people to all kinds of fines and penalties under the regulation laws. The issue becomes, what if he's violating a local regulation and under the other, other areas of practice, that we, the other laws, for example, the Prop 64 says that they did not change or alter set up bill, uh, uh, SB 4, uh, <laughs> Prop 95, Prop 215, sorry, <laughs> Prop 215 that passed for care, for patients to be able to possess and cultivate marijuana along with the caregivers. That's still in place under Prop 64. However, that law did not designate how much a patient could have, where are they going to get that first seed to grow it if they're going to grow it, and other aspects of bleed that made it pretty understandable. Un- not really understandable as how to deal with it. So if you don't mind a long story behind this, I'll tell you the backstory so people can understand this. What happened is that the legislature finally figured out this isn't cool because the cops don't know what to do. They come out of scene, guys got 20 plants. They still got to take them to jail if they want to and because it's up to the cop. And so that wasn't cool. And the cops kind of wanted a bright line too to deal how to deal with it. So they passed Senate Bill 420. Coincidentally, the number 420, by the way, my telephone number is 420-LAWS, 1-800-420-LAWS.com. And my, and my, that's, my, that's my website. And my telephone number is 1-800-420-LAWS for a long period. Okay, so it's many, many years, about 25 years. Anyway, so uh, they passed Senate Bill 420. And 420 provided for collectives and co-ops, meaning that patients could collectively participate in growing and providing the sacred herb to each other, but on a nonprofit basis. Well, this is what we've been dealing with since I think it was 2005 or 2006. I forget when you repassed Senate Bill 420, and it's been a mess because there were so unresolved uh, 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 issues about even that. First of all, Senate 420 at least gave a bright line that people that were patients could have six mature, six mature plants, and the immatures didn't count. And they could have eight ounces of bud. And I forget how much hash is included in there at the moment. And uh, that was fine and good. But it didn't describe that, well, how these, city, how these, these, um, these uh, collectives of patients coming together, how much money they could make, you know, what's a reasonable compensation for their services, could they do this and do that. And out of the law, it was all messed up. Matter of fact, in my guide, I have the cases that came down from the Court of Appeals. You know, there are many of them that are still relevant today because we still have medical marijuana laws in California that are popped to 15. And we have Senate Bill 420, which I'm trying to describe to you at the moment. Seven, uh, Senate Bill 420 will sunset, however, in 2019, uh, January 9th. And at that point, we won't have any Senate Bill 420 and everybody will have to have licenses, okay, to participate in providing marijuana to either patients and or adults. However, in the meantime, Senate Bill 4, meanwhile, there are these, these issues that are going to still remain in the system because if somebody gets busted uh, for marijuana-related activity and they're medical patients, the laws um, are important to be able to know because if you're a medical patient, you might. You want the protections. So, um, so I'm going to have, um, again, our host, if he doesn't mind, just touch down on, on the different areas in which these uh, cases have come up. And tell us, Philip, the listeners did a little bit on that as well. They should be aware of this because, unfortunately, marijuana 
right now is more regulated than any other product, period. I don't care if it's gasoline companies or whether it's liquor stores or liquor companies. Marijuana is regulated right now in so many aspects, it's almost overwhelming. First of all, Prop 64, which just passed in 2016, is now the law, as you know, the legalized certain amounts, which I just described, which is very limited. It also provided for all this licensing laws and miscellaneous other things. The, the actual the initiative was 63 pages along, okay? No one could read the damn thing, all right? And so, um, nevertheless, we got this kind of handed down from us from Sacramento. It really, they didn't really participate, allow people to participate. They were on the ground floor all these years like the organization's leaders, like Dale Geringer from Cal Normal, or maybe myself, and people that helped in Prop 19, like Dale Sky Jones and her husband. People have been around the block many times. They didn't do that. They put together these laws by themselves, and we're not too happy with them, obviously, because the restrictions are overwhelming. And one of them is this right to each city and county to decide for themselves what kind of laws they're going to be able to have or not have concerning the marijuana business industry, and the laws concerning on-site consumption, which we're going to get back to in a moment. So listen, just give them a little hint on these different areas in which these cases have, are, are, are outlined, just the, the titles. First of all, one thing you should know about what a primary caregiver is. People have been talking about that for years. Oh, I'm a primary caregiver. I score some murder for my guy down the street. I'm a caregiver. Well, that's not quite what it means. It means you tell me a little bit about what a, what a caregiver is. What qualifies? Certainly. Uh, being someone's caregiver for uh, this Health and Safety Code 11362.7 in regards to Proposition 215, this is who a primary caregiver is an individual who is designated by the patient to consistently assume responsibility for a patient's housing, health, and safety. At a minimum, a primary caregiver must provide that he, she consistently provides care for the patient, provides care that does not have anything to do with medical marijuana, and provides care at or before the time that the primary caregiver assumed responsibility for assisting with the patient's medical marijuana needs. Refer to People versus Mentech. 2008, uh, 42 Mitch, Mitch. Mitch. Yeah. Okay. So what I do in my gut, I also give you the cases so you can actually look it up because nothing like really seeing it from the horse's mouth. When I say cases, what happens is when people get convicted of a crime, a defendant, they appeal it on uh, the matters and that becomes a, a courts of appeals make a decision. And those decisions become basically the law when it comes to those kind of facts. So it happens a lot when you have new legislation you have to have all these cases brought to the Court of Appeals to define how it's, the laws are supposed to be effectuated and how they're going to be enforced. And unfortunately, I always often say to people that laws, these are our so-called jurisprudence, uh, basically depends on its value, those who interpret it and those who enforce it. Otherwise, forget it, guys. Okay, I don't care what it says. We've got to depend on the people that interpret the laws and enforce them. So the primary caregiver is someone who consistently assumes responsibility. There's one case in my God called People versus Wyman. It was right here. Um, um, this transportation of marijuana must be for the person, for the patient's current medical needs. In that case, read what Mr. What Mr. Wyman did. Just what is, read that case just for fun. All right, the transportation of marijuana must be for the patient's current medical need. This is People versus Wayman, 2010. Uh, this is on 180 Cal. What's Cal and App mean? Those are the, those are the citations for the California Appellate Department. Okay, California Appellate, 4th Appellate, 215. There's a bunch of different districts, 4th, 5, 6, you know. There's different appellate districts, but I think we're – so each one has their own districts. Go ahead. Okay. In this case, the patient defendant testified that he had kept his entire supply of marijuana solely for his own personal medical use in the trunk no, of his no, car. Wait, you know what? Hold on. I, I, I apologize. That case is not really on point with what we're talking about. I apologize, okay? What I want to say, we, there's a case called People vs. Manchester. I think we mentioned it earlier. 
I had yeah. read that one yeah. before. I remember. Anyway, what happened to Mensch is that he had a friend and a patient that lived in San Francisco, and he was taking uh, him <clears throat> some herb for his medical needs. Okay, and uh, even though the court, um, the court of appeals stated that uh, this Mr. Mensch <clears throat> had been convicted, notwithstanding his claim that he was a caregiver. <clears throat> Um, was providing medical marijuana to the patient at a, at a non-profit basis, which is required, but he wasn't doing it on a, uh, a, a regular basis. He has to have you have to regularly um, provide the uh, herb to someone as a primary caregiver. That's called, it's, I think the term that they use is consistently provide care for the patient. It can't be just once in a while you stop by and give them some herb. So he lost. We didn't know that before the Court of Appeals said that. We didn't know that they were to find that uh, definition of caregiver so you know, narrowly. And that's what we have to live with, okay, when it's going on with cases. So anyway, so this appellate court cases are all in my guide. Now, we were, let's go back to what we were earlier in the game here. And that was where you could smoke and joke when you could talk. Now, you can't smoke in public, right? Is that what we're saying? Now, what's the next thing you can't do? Right. Besides not smoking in public, smoke marijuana or marijuana products in a location where smoking tobacco is prohibited. And that this is what we're talking about with Proposition 64, how it's cracking down on any public marijuana use. Period, which sucks, okay? That means you can't go up in the mountains and talk and joke. It's ridiculous, you know? It's unfair. It's unjust. It's unrealistic. It's un-American, and it's, it violates the constitutional rights of people to be able to pursue life, liberty, the pursuit of, pursuit of happiness. However, we do have to recognize that other people have rights, too, of, you know, of their own privacy rights and rights to not be bothered by other people. So within the limitations of not bothering somebody else, I certainly think this law could be better defined than it is to debar the entire use in public of marijuana. So... Nevertheless, we're stuck with it at Prop 64 at the moment. So let's, that's when we're going to get back to this issue about on-site consumptions and how important these laws are and why we have to make sure that they are uh, effectuated. So what else, what else can't you do with possession of marijuana? All right, here's a big one for you. Thank you, Prop 64 voters. This is what you put down. Smoke marijuana or marijuana products within 1,000 feet of a school daycare center or youth center while children are present at such a school daycare center or youth center except in or upon the grounds of a private residence or in accordance with section 26200 or chapter 3.5 commencing with section 19300 of division 8 of the business and professions code and only if such smoking is not detectable by others on the grounds of such a school, daycare center, or youth center while children are present, that's a $100 infraction. So what the point is, unless you've got some kind of specialized license to have on-site consumption, it's that the state will authorize, once the local community authorizes, then you can't even talk with a 1,000 feet of a school district unless you're in a residence and no one else can be uh, no one else can smell it, at least in the distance. What else does it say that possession of marijuana you can't do under Prop 64? And by the way, don't not blame the folks for voting for Prop 64, okay? Believe me, we were all torn. I was particularly torn because, you know, I felt that this year, that year, 2016, was a vital time to finally pass legalization in California. And I was very concerned if we didn't pass it to some degree, we might have lost this. I left. I went to Washington. <laughs> I, I was living in Washington, and I, I couldn't vote anyhow at that okay. moment. <laughs> well, nevertheless, however, do I like this crap all in this thing? No. Do they consult with the people like myself about what's fair and just? No. These politicians wanted one thing, basically. Get it passed so they could get the kudos of having passed this law. For instance, the guy that's running for governor right now, you know, He's a good guy, apparently, in some aspects, and uh, I respect him for getting our game and finally figuring out how relevant and how beneficial 
marijuana legalization platform could be. But again, this has narrowed it down to a degree that almost makes me sick to my stomach to think how they have tried to take away a sense of our culture, okay? To be able to hang and joke and talk. Okay, let's keep going. What else can you do? The corporate marijuana culture is now about to yeah. take over. It's all about the money, honey. Yeah. So you want to possess, mm. smoke, or ingest marijuana or marijuana products in or upon the grounds of a school, daycare center, youth center with children present. That's the same thing. Just okay. throw it down. $100 infraction. Manufacture concentrated cannabis using a volatile solvent unless done in accordance with the license under Chapter 35. You can't make hash oil. You can't make hash oil out of butane. It's very dangerous. You could go to prison for it. Terp sauce to jail. Huh? Terp sauce. It's another kind of oil. Yeah. Well, if you make use it with chemical, volatile chemicals, you face three, five, or seven years in prison. If you blow somebody up or yourself, they're going to ask for prison. We've got a lot of cases like that. So, folks, just get with it. You can't make hash using butane. You can blow yourself up, and you can blow up people that lives around you or near you and causing fires and end up uh, going to jail. So play it cool, okay? Thank you. you keep yeah. on. You know, indoor with your butane, you crazy. By the way, there is licensing for making this stuff, but uh, they haven't listed any of them in the city of Los Angeles, and, uh, for sure. Think about the licensing. You can't be in multiple areas of marijuana. You can't be concentrate, be doing concentrate and growing, uh, right? They've done all this division of permitting. Well, some of the, the some of those uh, what's called um, um, vertical licensing has been changed. Another another thing I want to tell you about, which is kind of messed up. The laws keep changing. These regulations aren't always, you know, in uh, chiseled in stone. Okay, it gives a lot of latitude to, to to the legislatures, including the state and counties and the state of California, to qualify and redefine to what degree uh, these things are going to be interpreted, how they're going to allow it. So it's a moving target. One of the things about my guide, which I've done for 22 years. Okay, As a matter of fact. I want to say I'm something I'm proud of, is that my first guide was called the Hempsters Guide to Marijuana Laws. Hempsters, H-E-M-P-sters. Why? Because it was at an event that I was speaking at over here at the um, United Nations building in, in Westwood with Jack Herrera, and I typically would go out in front of the audience and talk about the laws like I'm doing right now to you folks. And I saw how desperate People were to know what the laws were and how inadequate it was to go on in the books and try to figure it out for yourself. So that's why I came up with this guide. So since then, I put out, I don't know how many, hundreds of thousands of them. I, every year, I take four or five to 10,000 of them for the last 20 years. So 10 times uh, 10,000, that's about, you know, 200,000 at least or probably more. I give them out to dispensaries. They're online at my website, 420laws.com. And I give them to uh, people if they call if they want a hard copy, we'll send them one. And matter of fact, I'm coming out with a new guide very soon, uh, in the next couple of months or next month, hopefully, uh, because I'm getting up to speed on the latest changes. But nevertheless, keep going. What else do they say about All what right. people and, can't do? And if you would like a, a hemp guide, we can hook you up. And for a donation of $100,000, we will dip each page in hemp resin. Oh, my and God. Yeah. Okay. I mean, it really won't cost you that much to do that. you got to give me the money first, and then I'll hook you up with a really Great. cool hemp resin. Talking about. Count me out. It, well, it, it'll last forever. The future people will see this guy yeah. and be like, wow, you guys are just trying to ingest a plant. <laughs> you have to go through all this stuff just for a plant. What are you smoking? Broccoli. Okay, let's keep going. <laughs> okay. Smoker ingest. This is my favorite. It's my favorite. Smoke or ingest marijuana or marijuana products while driving, operating a motor vehicle, boat, vessel, aircraft, or other vehicle used for transportation. What's the fine on that? Two hundred fifty bucks. So two fifty. When you multiply that times what's called the um, penalty assessment, you're talking probably close to a thousand dollars. Okay. That's a DUI, right? Is that considered no, DUI? Not a DUI? DUI is driving impaired, okay? This is talking about simply having an open container of weed in the passenger compartment. You are going to be smoking in the passenger compartment. You're going to be given $250 fine, okay? Oh, is you're automatically smoking it if you have it in your car? No. 
This is or, this one says smoking it in the car. Okay, yeah. that's a two fifty fine. There's another section for having a, an open container of marijuana in your car. Gotcha. Which difference between difference between patients and non-patients? If you are in your passenger compartment, it's got to be sealed in a way that it can't be opened. When they go to the dispensers these days, they're giving out these sealable bags. Yeah. Okay. And but as a as a patient, it doesn't have to be sealed, just closed. Okay. While it's in the passenger area of the car, I think that's true. Check it out. Okay. Keep reading what it says. All right, let's keep going, kids. Smoke or ingest marijuana or marijuana products while riding in the passenger seat or a compartment of a motor vehicle, boat, vessel, aircraft, or other vehicle used for transportation, except as permitted on a motor vehicle, boat, vessel, aircraft, or other vehicle used for transportation that is operated in accordance with Section 26200 of the Business and Professions Code and while no persons under the age of 21 are present. Okay, so what they're saying there, if you've got a passenger, he's taking a, he's smoking a dupe in the back seat, he's going to get a fine of 250 bucks, and you're going to get a fine also of 250 bucks. That's a maximum, of course. And then on top of that, but there are licensing for things for, um, like boats and, uh, and trucks and and and. Uh, Rides to the cities where they allow you to, um, you know, show what a nice place you have. What they call those tourist bus, they got licensing for smoke and those those things. But uh, they're issued by the state of California. But again, I've told you that in order to get a license by the state, you got to get one from the local community. And so far, I don't know of any place. First, that, yes. So I don't know of any city or county that's issued those kind of licenses. And a, and a tour company drives in multiple counties, don't they? Or is it well, they go anywhere. Whatever the story is, you've got to get a license. There's no licenses right now. Wow. But they'll come out with them sooner or later, which could be great for tourists, right? Yeah, dude, smoke. Get off, get off dude, the Dude, you know the guy that had owned Lift, Lifted.com? Yeah. He contacted me. I, I At one point, I was like, hey, how much are you selling that website? And the guy actually contacted me. Lifted? lifted? What's yeah. Lifted? Like, you know, getting lifted. Well, that's a lapse. Right? Well, 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 okay. There's a company called Lyft. They okay. do. They pick people up. I know Lyft. Up. I know Lyft. Yeah. Well, Lyft, Lifted well, would be you, people pick you up, smoke a toke in the back, okay, you know, well. or a Lifted bus. You're just driving around town. Hey, other smokers. I think uh, that's, that's a nice trip. I think it'd be better with the name of more. Uh, you know, people don't have to guess what it means. Oh yeah. Oh, I don't. I don't have the money but to, anyway, to give the gentleman. He, but he did offer it to me at some point. I'm like, oh man, that's super cool. Hope someone can really like make like a a, a bacon ride kind of service. Maybe, but let's keep rocking here. Right. What's the next thing? Go As we plug on in. What else? What else? What do, else do, can't do, you do, 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 do with your possession of one of one ounce? Right. What else can't you do? Purposes of this section: smoke means to inhale, exhale, burn, or carry any lighted or heated device or pipe or any other lighted or heated marijuana or marijuana product intended for inhalation, whether natural or synthetic in any manner or, or in any form. Smoke includes the use of an electronic smoking device that creates an aerosol or vapor in any manner or in any form or any use or any oral smoking device for the purpose of circumventing the prohibition of smoking in a place. So you cannot use your vapor hits in the car you can't talk and joke. You can't have open containers. None of that stuff you can have. It's just a bummer. So let's keep going. You can rectally ingest it in public so far. That's the only thing they haven't said. I don't know about that either. Go ahead. Hey. What's next? Anything For purposes else? of this section, volatile solvent means volatile organic compounds, including explosive gases such as butane, propane, xylene, styrene, gasoline, kerosene, O2, and H2, and dangerous poisons, toxins, carcinogens, says methanol, isopropyl alcohol, methylene chloride, acetone, benzene, tulalene, and trichloroethylene. So you can't make weed or make any hash or what they call um, honey oil. Or People blowing themselves up. Dabs, just like, anything bah. like that. It's, uh, it's not cool. Anyway, so possession of marijuana. But the, but that's like that doesn't that's not all the volatile substances. So there's other things out there people will figure out. I don't know how to I, get past. I pretty much think they covered it. Okay. Yeah. Now um. Where's uh, alcohol? Huh? Alcohol. It's in there, isn't it? Because there was one like you can't even make your own tincture. 
It says alcohol right there. We were talking about it. Okay, now, okay. okay, let's go back to this on-site consumption thing, all right? So, as I was saying earlier, I digressed, of course, because there's a lot to talk about here, and it's very important that, you know, that people understand the laws, I think. It's, I know it's important. I know from my practice, as he's indicated, I've defended more marijuana cases than any lawyer in the United States, I'm proud to say, in 50 years of practice. I've had a very successful career in defending cases, a lot of success, but people are getting busted. Many of them didn't know what the laws were, okay? This is what happened to them. If they had known what the laws were, they might not have said the things they said or did the things they did to get themselves in trouble. It's unfortunate that that's what it comes down to. If the government spent one-tenth of one percent on educating the public instead of incarcerating people, then we would have been very much ahead of the game. Those hundreds of thousands of people that have been arrested and convicted in California have suffered not only themselves, but incarcerated with the rapists and, and robbers, but also the loss of income, destructions of their family, family units. It goes on and on and on. So it's been a sad state of affairs, but it's been happening in California since 2015. Well, in fact, since 1915, when one of the first busts occurred here in Sonora Town, downtown Los Angeles, and uh, what's now Alvera Street. Okay, so for the last hundred years, we've been incarcerating people, abusing them with these laws, and the people like myself have consistently um, argued against the continued uh, prohibition against marijuana. I started the first, uh, the first um, organization called CAMP. When I started my practice in 1967, it's called the Campaign to Abolish the Marijuana Prohibition. I thought it was a very hip name. A lot of people have used it around the country for different spinoff um, uh, organizations of CAMP. Like the DEA. <laughs> but anyways, I morphed into the... Uh, Director of Normal, which is a national organization, which I thought that would help push the um, the envelope quicker on a federal level, and we've done some of that, but still it hasn't happened. But anyway, let's go back. So right. now, uh, where were we? All right, Shirley, we got through uh, all these with the different kind of inhalants and the. Okay, we're done with that stuff. Yeah, well, I mean, based... okay, let's go back to the thing on outside consumption. So. Yeah. I've been arguing with the city council about this, and I have two uh, people that obviously are on game. Uh, one was Cat Packer, and the other one is the president of the um, city council. I met with them, uh, and he, um, both of them, are, I want to see these licensing coming out. Matter of fact, the city of West Hollywood, which is where my practice has been for 37 years before I moved back here to Beverly Drive and Beverly Hills, um, uh, has got licensing for on-site consumption, okay? And right now, they are considering the applications that have been submitted this last week, I believe, and they're considering which of those applicants will get these licenses, including on-site consumption licenses. One of them is this hotel called the Standard Hotel right here in Hollywood, West Hollywood, which we expect will probably get the nod because they've got a beautiful place. West Hollywood is looking for locations that not only are beneficial to the community in the sense of being convenient, but they also have a, a sense of West Hollywood and their decor, et cetera, but nevertheless. So the city of West Hollywood does have on-site consumption license, but the city of Los Angeles. So um, I thought about this. Here's an article in my guide. I put a bunch of articles about myself in the guide because they're informative and also uh, fan my ego, excuse the expression. Uh, this, this, this guide... This is about LA, LA Times wrote this guy, this article um, um, about this fight for on-site consumption. So read some of it. What does it say? I can't. Certainly. Los Angeles is said to be a hot market for marijuana sales, but there might not be many places to smoke it. This is from September 25th, 2017. This is by Emily Alpert Reyes. Los Angeles lawmakers are laying the groundwork for what is widely expected to be one of the hottest markets for marijuana in the country, one that could bring more than $50 million in taxes to city coffers next year. The city is drafting rules to allow greenhouses that grow cannabis, industrial facilities that process it, and new shops that sell it for recreational use, not just medical need. But anyone expecting Los Angeles to become the next Amsterdam may be disappointed. 
it has held back so far on welcoming cafes or lounges where customers could smoke or consume cannabis. That has troubled many marijuana advocates and attorneys who warn that even after California legalizes the sale of recreational pot, many tourists and renters could be left without a safe, legal place to use it in Los Angeles. Margolin said he was offended that even as cannabis was on the verge of local legitimacy, the city council is still treating marijuana users like criminals. The question is one example of the thorny debates that Los Angeles faces as it crafts new regulations on cannabis businesses, an industry still in limbo between California and Capitol Hill. Under draft regulations released earlier this year, it would be illegal for Los Angeles pot shops and other cannabis businesses to allow marijuana consumption on site. Margolin said that the idea is hardly new, pointing to the famed shops of Amsterdam. San Francisco already allows consumption lounges at a small number of medical marijuana dispensaries, and as it prepares for recreational pot, a city task force has recommended allowing cannabis consumption at retailers. One councilman said he was open to the idea of cannabis lounges. It's hard to say you can't smoke in your home, especially for medical marijuana, where people have real needs, and yet we won't let you smoke somewhere else, said Councilman Paul Koritz, who has concerns about how secondhand smoke affects tenants. Either people need to be able to smoke in their apartments or they need some other places set aside. Bruce Margolin is quoted as saying, it's ridiculous that the city doesn't consider that, said Attorney Bruce Margolin, Executive Director of the LA Chapter of National Organization for the Reform of Marijuana Laws. So the bottom line, we still don't have an on-site consumption license in the city of Los Angeles. It's illegal to talk and joke anywhere other than your residence and you have to have access to one. And so it ain't fair, it ain't just, okay? So the duty of myself and uh, Normal in particular is that we represent the consumer trying to make fair and just laws for the persons who want to decide for themselves whether they want to use the sacred herb for whatever purpose they think is appropriate. Now, moving along. So uh, we're waiting for these on-site consumption licenses to come out. Matter of fact, the idea of on-site consumption is so obvious and so necessary because all these laws, many of them, are born out of San Francisco Buyers Club, which was ran and created by Dennis Perone, who helped pass and did pass Prop 215. Now, anybody who's been in that Buyers uh, Cannabis Club in the good old days, you would feel the atmosphere of the support and love and affection and the education that people were sharing with each other in his particular uh, dispensary. And uh, that kind of thing, I think, is an example of what we're going to have in the future and what we need desperately, because it's not so much just the fact that people want to smoke in an indoor place where it's comfortable. It has to do with the camaraderie that's developed between tokers and jokers and those who use the sacred herb. You'll note that if you haven't had this experience, if you have used herb and you're hanging out with your homeboys, how there's an affection and openness and maybe a little loss of your ego in the midst of that conversation. And I don't want to get too esoteric about it or talk about the spiritual aspects of herb tonight necessarily, but that's another discussion for a different time. But let me just suggest that marijuana and cannabis, what they call charis in India, and different countries call different things, almost everywhere. It's used not just for medicinal purposes, or what I think is recreational purposes, which that's what they're calling it. It's also used for spiritual purposes, and it's a long history of that in, in, the, uh, in, the, in the history of mankind. So getting back to that, this on-site consumption thing is very important that we continue fighting for that, and we will have it, and I'll do my best to make sure it gets done. Now, moving along, we're talking about hemp, okay? And here's an article about how hemp is authorized by the state of California to, to, um, to be able to um, uh, farm it. They have not come out with the regulations yet. They haven't come out with the applications yet, but um, it's happening, okay? It's going to be a huge industry. However, in this article, 
this company uh, had hemp shipped this, uh, what's called the Wilmington CBD producer, which is called the DAC, the hemp shipped products, the oil, and said, as far as they're concerned, hemp is still illegal. On a federal level, they are allowing limited growing of hemp for purposes of science and for purposes of, of uh, medical considerations, I suppose. But you only could do that under the auspices and the umbrella of an institute of higher learning so that you can connect with that concept to provide um, more science to uh, hemp to see what it does and what it doesn't do. But as you know, it's a miracle that what it's done for people, particularly children with seizures. It turns out that CBD, which is less than 0.03 amounts of THC, is a tremendous uh, benefit to those poor children that are suffering from seizures. There's, there's no question about it. And, uh, of course, we know from anecdotal experience and from the scientists been allowed that there are so many aspects of which the sacred herb uh, can provide relief to people and uplift their lives that it cannot be denied or even questioned any longer. And so what does that mean to us? That means it's coming along in the right direction, but it's been too long in coming, and too many people have suffered from it. And by the way, we're talking about the city council, how Cat Packer and the president of the city council are down for on-site consumption, and as Paul Koretz is a beautiful guy. But I was told by the head of the city council that many people on the city councils are naysayers, okay? They're still old school. They're still talking about grief and madness, uh, about it does it makes you do all these crazy and wild things, rape and kill, or whatever else they still are holding on to. And they're probably doing it because they think their constituents will, will vote for them again if they don't uh, uh, try to support marijuana, even though it's obvious that the whole country has turned around in their attitude. And by the way, this is why we had to pass Prop 64 this last 2016. And again, perfect storm for that to happen because of the whole political atmosphere. And so it was a time had come that it had to be done. You know, we had Prop 19 the last time around, in which I was very much uh, favoring and fighting for. Uh, it wasn't perfect. Uh, we could talk about the Jack Herrera initiative because we're not done talking about the future. But Prop 19... Uh, only lost by, it got 46% of the vote. And uh, it would have got uh, would have passed, but for some of the people in Northern California who had these uh, uh, cottage industries that were concerned that Big Brother would move in on them and destroy their cottage industry. Well, you can see they're being destroyed anywhere in Pop 64. There isn't much place for the cottage industry to exist. And uh, that's got to change. And so without getting into a whole conversation tonight, I'm here with our um, our host, who has been a hamster for many, many years, a follower of Jack Herrera and his philosophies concerning... And, and in San Francisco, too, you're talking about San Francisco, uh, California uh, Cannabis Helping Alleviate Medical Problems. Champ was... Uh, oh, Champ, yeah. Yeah, yeah. over in that next... Uh, so what happened Where's Champ? The Champ, well, you know, it happened to so many... Marijuana dispensaries, the uh, they put in thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars, and then the city councils decide something, or they they some places aren't able to be profitable, and some people aren't able to work together, and some places are get very fr- afraid because federally marijuana has not been legal since Proposition 215. Right. I mean, the rest of the world, I hear Australians be like, "Hey, when Prop 215 went down, we heard marijuana was legal." It's like. It's not really legal. You can they're recommended by a doctor. It's not like doctors like go to the pharmacy and fill this out. They're like, if you happen upon this mysterious plant that we don't know where it comes from, mm-hmm. I recommend you use it. I like I don't know how you're gonna get it. Yeah. It's gonna magically appear, but I recommend you use it. <laughs> I know. Well, you know, it's all so crazy. It's it's just I mean, psycho. Analyze the psychological mind of the marijuana movement and the marijuana laws, you'd say the person you know, that would be a mind that's got, is mentally ill, okay? <laughs> right. There's no question about it. Okay, so we have a problem because the city council members, many of them are naysayers still, and these laws are, are a long time, short, too long in coming. They're on the horizon. That's all I can say. And I'm very happy to say in my career of 50 years in practice, I've seen the changes from felonies, straight felonies, 
for people going to jail for to state prison in many cases, and not my clients, of course, but people were faced with those kind of consequences, and they were getting some time here and there. I remember in freaking uh, Orange County, if you had any amount of weed, you would get 30 days. I don't care if you walked on water or whether it was one seed, okay? Wow. So that's the kind of place that we dealt with. And even now in California, some of these cities and counties up in the northeast of our state are still holding on desperately to put people in jail and marijuana and punish them as any way they can. For example, I have a couple of cases up there where they charge people with a conspiracy to commit the crime. Instead of the misdemeanor, which is all they get exposed to, under the new laws, Prop 64, possession for sale, sale, cultivation. I don't care if you have 10,000 plants or 500 pounds. It's a misdemeanor punished by six months maximum. Oh, but, really? If you have 100 million plants, six months maximum? You can have any amount still face a misdemeanor, okay? I mean, like, a rectal exam still cleans stuff out, but it's no fun. You are so weird about your <laughs> rectal problems here. I no, I mean, like, 64 is, like, sorry, I don't mean about that, but 64 is messing up Californians, but there is some bonuses to it where people aren't getting the five- and ten-year sentence. Well, definitely, it's a misdemeanor. But still except that what I was trying to tell you that up in Northern California, two cities and counties have got a greater idea how to get around the laws by charging people that conspire together to grow weed, for example, or transport it with what's called conspiracy, because it is a felony for two or more people to participate in committing a misdemeanor. And so that's, uh, those, those conspiracy counts are felony cases, okay? Therefore, they're not charging with felonies, conspiracy cases, instead of the simple possession and possession for sale or cultivation. Anyway, so how that's going to pan out in the Court of Appeal, whether they're violating the the spirit of the law or not, we'll have to see. But some good lawyer and good lawyers there are out there, a lot of good lawyers in California, uh, will fight the fight and join them with the fight that we've had for so many years and continue to help us. Uh, you know, lawyers, you know, I got to tell you, I like lawyers. First of all, it's hard to become a lawyer. It ain't easy, okay? So I was talking about someone tonight about psychologists and psychiatrists. Well, not psychiatrists, but psychologists. And he was saying, oh, it's much easier to get a, a, a license there would it be than getting a law license. And uh, it is hard. It is something you have to refocus on. And I think most lawyers, in my opinion, are, uh, you know, shall we say, a little more open to um, fairness and justice. And so I'm also saying there's a lot of lawyers out there that do pro bono work to help with these appeal processes. So anybody that gets busted for anything that, that feels it's unjust, they should contact lawyers that know what they're talking about so that they can have the opportunity to fight this fight, not only in the courtrooms of the prosecution, but in the appellate courts if necessary. And that's what we want. A lot of battles has changed a lot of things. Anyway, let's go back to this. Now, meanwhile, here they are. The federal government has taken down the herb. They're taking down the products. We got uh, two more minutes. Two more minutes. All yeah. right. All right. So. You want to say something? Thank you very much for having yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's sometimes my, my ass and fart jokes are a little, a little much. You know? Yeah, never. So I'm going to say something about him. Okay, this guy is down for the cause, all right? He brings over his equipment. He wants to educate the public. He believes in what he's doing, and I'm very proud of him. He gets off his buff, and he, he gets equipment together and all the rest of the thing to bring out information to the public. For his, uh, for what do you call it? You still call it? Yeah, it was uh, Alice B. Tokla's Smoke News Radio. Alice B. Tokla's Smoke News Radio. And this is. Alice B. Tok this. I, I can actually spell it. Tokla. No, Toke this. Uh-huh. I can You know, I can spell it where it's not really your last name because Toke is a, you think is a common euphemology. You're concerned that you might be accused of some kind of. Yeah, like, of insulting your family. Not about selling, insulting them. I think it's an honor, but maybe of providing some kind of you know, to make money or something. No, I don't know. Uh, no, no, I, I don't know if they, I don't know if they have it there. Not patented, but trademark the name. Okay. I doubt it. I don't think know who Valsky Tokus was. Um, we probably don't have time, time to tell you tonight, but Google. You know, you, you've got no problem, folks out there. You can ask anything about that. Google is wonderful. You go in there, you ask a question. People have been fighting for pot long before us, and look how far we made it. I mean, this so far, I mean, you've got this whole book of how California has been leading the way for liberty. Right. I love it. Oh, 10 more seconds. 10 more seconds. Thank you, folks, for putting up with this night. I hope we were informative to you. I hope you tune in again in the future. 
because I like to share what I know for the better for all mankind, and I'd like to, of course, talk about myself. I want to thank you again and again for having me on and for your efforts on behalf of the people to bring this information to them. Yes. All right. Much love. Smoke News Radio. Oh.